You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's just, I, I seen him before I threw it, but... Like when I threw it, I couldn't see him no more. So I, I just, I'm glad he stayed in that corner and made me look good. So it was just something. Um, I made an adjustment. Like I said, before I picked the ball up, I seen he was in the corner. So I knew that was going to be my my bailout pass. And then he, luckily he stayed in the corner and he got there. That was impressive. I mean, come on, you got He's 5'2. And for him to throw it over, you know, I think it was Giannis, Greg Monroe, and Jabari Parker. Um, you know, all guys that got 20 plus inches on that's impressive. Unbelievable, man. I think it was one of the, the top five passes I've seen, you know, behind the, the back. Uh, Jay Crowder one pass. And it was definitely pretty cool to see. The Celtics survive another scary home game and they beat the Bucks 112 to 107. We're going to break this one down because it's good to be back here on the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics blog powered by Grandstand. Yes, I'm the boss. Welcome to the Garden Report. I am Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio and I am Really excited to be joined by Justin Poulin from Celtic <laughs> Stuff Live. It is back on CLNS Radio. If you're a hardcore Celtics fan, you grew up listening to this guy's show. I remember I did. Justin, it's it's an absolute honor and privilege to have Thanks you for here having on me. the Garden Report. Well, you're kind of the predecessor, the pioneer that led the way to doing shows like this. You know, I have a hard time looking at myself that way. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay humble. Maybe you know a little Ubuntu. We all work together to kind of get it done and. You know, it's just awesome to be with CLNS Radio and back here today. All right, well, let's talk about the game. So uh, there was a pretty good shot, and we're going to show you to you here. We're going to do the grandstand play of the game up front. It's a grandstand. It sports highlights from fans in the stands on the new sports app, Grandstand. You can share your own Celtics highlights and watch other fans' videos straight from the crowd. So download Grandstand on the App Store or at grandstand.me. Let's go to that play where Isaiah Thomas throws a blind, although he claims that he was able, that he at least knew where Jay was because he looked at him before he made the move. There's but an no incredible behind-his-head pass to Crowder in the corner, who it's a really tough, you know, quick-release three-pointer to ice the game for the Celtics. It was an incredible play, Justin. Picked a good game to show up to the Garden for the show. Huh? It was exciting. It was a lot of change of pace. It's one of those games that you know Tommy Heinsohn's heart skipped a beat a couple of times during the game, uh, missed balls, etc. But it's amazing that Jay Crowder was able to come off the bench like he was. Two minutes, I think, up until that shot, and then he was able to knock it down. There's no way Isaiah Thomas had any idea where Crowder – I mean, I know he knows where he was positionally, but just as Isaiah said in the locker room afterwards, he walked – you know, he drove the lane. 
and then he just knew that Crowder was over there. They had some weird connection when they saw each other, and then he threw this behind the back or behind the head, no-look pass, and he said, thank God Crowder was still there, and then he knocked down the shot that really iced it. Because he threw to a spot, but he hit Crowder on the money. I mean, that pass was surprisingly accurate. That was Wando-esque as the comparisons were lauded. Well, yeah, and Isaiah kind of, you know, he downplayed that, too. He's very humble with that and said, I'm sure you've seen a, a ton of those passes from Rondo in the past. But Which, frankly, we have seen those passes from we Rondo have. in the past. Yeah. We, we have. Wando I mean, Ray, to Ray Allen really stands out. And it's the maturation of Isaiah Thomas. I mean, if you really compare him to the end of last season with what we've been getting from him as an all-star this season – that's a that's a big component right there. You just look at plays like that. He's grown leaps and bounds. And to your point, a little luck on his side, too, because Jay Crowder didn't even have to gather that shot. It really was right on the money. He went right into the shot and swish. And that's something that Jay's gotten so much better at is his quick release on threes has, has gotten so much better this year. It's been one of the main reasons why he's kind of turned the corner and becoming one of the better players in the NBA. Well, you and I talked about it in the locker room, and I said, hey, this guy's a glue guy. And there were a lot of questions from the media about him being a glue guy at the same time you said no he's much more than a glue guy he's a featured guy maybe he's not going to beat at the all-star team or maybe he's not going to be first nba defensive this year but the truth is he he could be and he really if you look one of the things i was looking at for this team tonight was how are they going to address the defensive issues you know i really felt like the last game that they lost uh, was a lot of offense. I felt like they were discombobulated in offense. Isaiah Thomas didn't attack the basket. But there were and there are still defensive questions about this team right now in their current stretch of play. And I think that, for the most part, they did a pretty decent job when you consider Kelly Olenek wasn't in the game to help space the floor. So, you know, there's that factor. But then the other one that, that Jay Crowder really probably could have played 38 minutes in this game if he had not been in foul trouble. And he played 24. He shot 8 for 10 from the field, 2 for 3 from downtown, at 20, uh, 20 points and 8 rebounds, uh, but those 5 fouls. Yeah. That was really tough for him. And pretty bold of Brad Stevens to let it ride anyway. And he said a few years ago he never would have let it ride like this. But then this year, you know, he said, hey, you know, you're gonna, we're just going to roll with it. And he hasn't been burned, to his point yet this season and riding with that. And he has done that a few times in the third quarter, early fouls. I'm not sure about, you know, third and fourth getting picked up as quick as that. And as early, I think it was only three minutes and 15 seconds into the third quarter when Jay got his fourth or fifth. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think Brad took a calculated risk. And interestingly, going smaller and smaller didn't hurt them against this, against this long and athletic Bucks team. Uh, but Monroe did hurt them. Oh, and- yeah. Uh, he, he was good in the second half, and I asked Solinger about it, and Solinger said that, I mean, they obviously they did a better job than last time, but it was kind of that Brad, just no matter what the lineup was out there, that was the, the fake small lineup with Milwaukee where they have, they have like, wings out there, but they're so long. That they play like small, but they're not small, yeah. I think is how Brad put it. But so they just kept rotating through, whether it was Amir, Zeller, mm-hmm. Solinger, they kept rotating a different big on the Monroe, and it, it seemed to be an effective uh, strategy. But the thing was, at the end of the game, Jabari Parker really took over in the low post where he was going up against Crowder, who had five fouls. And he would put a seal on Crowder, and he would catch the ball for an easy layup. Uh, he had four straight baskets at the rim that kind of keyed that, that Bucks run in the fourth quarter. Yeah, if this game was played in Milwaukee, the crowd would have erupted. 
uh, Jabari Parker's play was amazing, and he threw it down with some authority. It was interesting the way the whole kind of game went because we also had those missed free throws, and Milwaukee bounced back multiple times after looking pretty ugly, and Jabari Parker was a big reason for that down the stretch in the fourth quarter. They bounced back from some ugly play, but he put them, and the Celtics were hitting threes, right? Isaiah Thomas finally got hot, started to put the team on his back, and Parker wanted to go mano y mano, and he kept attacking and attacking himself. So, hey, look, you, you wonder about him or Wiggins in that draft. I, I think there's a lot of you watch Parker play. There's some reasons to think maybe you take Parker ahead of Wiggins. It's a bold statement. I don't think I've heard anyone say that yet. Well, actually, Parker's got a lot of limitations, and Wiggins has been doing so well. But And he has. And, you know, I'll tell you, even Steve Pett tweeted it out tonight. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, if I want to score at the end of games, and, and – Granted, we want help for Isaiah Thomas for the Celtics squad, so we're always looking at players who can kind of mimic what Paul Pierce did, be able to run ISO, be able to score down the stretch. But Parker looks like a finisher to me. He looks like a closer. And when we see that tonight, I think that's what wins games, right? Maybe Wiggins looks like a more all-around package, but at the end of the day, games are won in the final six minutes. The game doesn't really start till those final six minutes, and Parker looks like a player. He's versatile, and he came through. He closed tonight. So we're going to come back for part two. We're going to talk more to Justin about the Celtics stuff live uh, history and uh, covering the team during the finals. And we'll go a little bit more into this game. This is the Garden Report powered by Grandstand on CLNS Radio and Celtics blog. Yeah, that one, the one pass was unbelievable. But the, uh, you know, I thought it was the best that um, he's played or one of the best games he's played against that kind of length in that moment and they were blitzing and they were trying to keep a bunch of long bodies on him and they switched some and he just made the right play whether it was a pull up whether it was a drive whether it was the right pass at the right time i just thought he did a really good job um of that so that was you know he was he was huge in that five minute stretch and that the one possession where we uh, moved it moved it it hit a hit jay in the corner and he reversed it to avery at the three-point line was probably the possession of the game for us. You know, it gives you a, an eight-point lead instead of a five-point lead, but it also, you know, just the way that that possession unfolded was really good in that moment. In the first, first part on the pick and roll, you guys were running around the so You would get the ball as a roll, and then you would need to swing up to the other side. Is that part of the game plan? We definitely, uh, we definitely worked on that because, uh, uh, Milwaukee's a team that, that likes overhelp, you know, and uh, our goal was to definitely get dive out and pick and roll fast, and if they come out of rotation, so it's a swing to the corner, so it, it definitely worked for us. And when, when you came back, back out for your second rotation, you would more high beat side, and when the guard would crash, you would seek in there for the layup. Was that the adjustment you guys made? Exactly. Like, like I said, they, they overhelp, and uh, as long as I, I stayed behind the defense, uh, trying to get behind the defenders, you know, behind those long arms, those, those, uh, those players have, you know, I was able to get over shots. Welcome back to the show for part two. Before we get to you, let's get to Amir Johnson. So I talked to Amir after the game about the offensive strategy that they went with in the first and second quarter. So in the first quarter, for the last six minutes of that quarter, basically every single possession was a pick and roll with Amir Johnson. He would roll down the lane. They'd give him the ball. He would immediately swing the ball to somewhere else. He was kind of like running point from the middle of the post. And it was really effective. And that's when they really got that lead over Milwaukee. And I really liked what Stevens did there. And it was a nice wrinkle that they threw at Milwaukee to try to counteract what happened in the last game. And it worked really well. And then in the second quarter, when Johnson came back in, 
instead of going back to the same thing, which Milwaukee already had a read on, they kind of went back to the classic kind of weak side, hiding mm-hmm. on the baseline kind of center, where the he would set a pick, then he would go hide in the corner, then Evan Turner or Isaiah Thomas would drive the lane, and then his man would go help, and then Amir would be wide open to get that shot. And he got he got a lot of baskets, and he had 13 points in the first half off of just kind of simple plays, of just running pick and rolls and hiding in the right spots and distributing from the right spots. He was so effective in the first half. He was, and rebounding too. I mean, I think in the first quarter he had nine and seven. So just a, an outstanding quarter. I think he only had one rebound after that. But they did. They really featured him. They set up a lot of their offense. And, you know, if not for the, the foul trouble for both him and Crowder, it would have been really interesting to see how this game would have played out because I just think once Crowder was out, I think it drew some of the attention to Johnson and, and took away from his effectiveness. But you're right. The way that they ran that, it was kind of an inside-out game. The offense went through him. I, you know, that's when I was not sure if Isaiah Thomas was going to come through and offensively run the run the show, right? I, I wasn't so sure, but I think that was a good look because that's what really opened everything up for the small guard lineups in the second half too. I mean, they got something different every quarter. So excellent play by Johnson, good points, good rebounds. And you know, he's, he's really been kind of unsung this season. Um, it's kind of his MO, really. It is his MO. He has been his whole career, yeah. And. And the th- other thing is, over the last few weeks, I almost felt like his play was dropping off a little bit. So to see him have, I mean, he always comes in spurts, right? His scoring, his, perfor- you know, it most of the time. It comes between ankle injuries. It comes with between ankle injuries. Yeah. But even in a game like we saw tonight, it came in the first half, the bulk of that in the first quarter, it comes in waves like that. You know, they talk about basketball being a game of runs, but it really is when it comes to Johnson being involved in the offense. All right, so enough basketball talk. I want to talk podcasts. Now, when I was in high school, Celtics Stuff Live was, I think, the only Celtics podcast that I can think of. This was before, this was like before, like, the podcast app. I don't even remember where it was distributed from, but I used to listen to it on Celtics Blog. Mm-hmm. And it's actually where I ended up getting this job with CLNS Radio, and now we're partnered with Celtics Blog. So it all came full circle in the end. But you were the person I listened to that kind of inspired me to get into this game. How did you, when did you start the, the original Celtics Stuff Live, and how did that come to fruition? Really, what happened was I was working a job where I was on the phone all the time, and the people I was talking to said, hey, have you ever done radio? You should be on radio. And I said, yeah, I actually did try a couple of times, and I was really bad at it. So one of the things I started doing was writing a blog, but I knew I wanted to try to do radio, but it was going to take me some practice on my own to be able to you know, enhance my skills and be able to talk clearly, etc. So I just came up with the idea to start recording a podcast. That um, started in, I want to say, January, and I worked with this guy, JB, Jim Max. Uh 2003? Wow. 2003. The internet was barely even around in 2003. Yeah. yeah. It really was. I mean, I only had a cell phone for three or four years at mm-hmm. that point. I mean, that's kind of crazy, and we don't have to go that far back. I don't want to feel too old. I did go over the hill this past year, but... Um, but I'll tell you, you know, we just started recording the podcast. That was like January. We started experimenting with it. And my goal was to go to a live show by the draft. And we researched it. I put about $500 into equipment, soundboard, and a phone coupler. And then we paid for a toll-free number and routed it to the phone line. And by, I think we did a test show two weeks before the draft show. And then on draft night, we had Eric Weiss, um, Scott Souza came on. I think we got... I think we might have gotten Mike Gorman or Sean Grandy. I can't remember exactly. This our was whole 13 lineup. years ago, and those are all the same people that are coming out to the show. That are show still now. here it's now. It's amazing, yeah. 
it, we really got a lot of support right out of the gate. I mean, the technology definitely improved. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was sitting in my office and the wires weren't connecting or the audio was bad. It was frustrating, but we just kept sticking with it. And I will tell you, we got a sponsor. Let's see. So we did the draft show in June. We had a sponsor by September and I never put another dime into it. Oh, that's nice. Who yeah. was the sponsor? Uh, it was Garber Family Dent Dentistry. And there were a lot of jokes on the show about in the in the ad it talked about intraoral cameras so people were always joking about our garber family dentistry ad but really you know that's way too sexual of something to put i think it ad, was yeah. a little bit but if 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 dr garber is watching you know really i don't know if we would have gotten this far as we did if if he hadn't helped us with with the ads and then our real long-standing um advertiser was gold rarities and um al pinkall had season tickets right behind wick about two rows back from oh. wick and uh, he supported the show for the for the bulk of it. He was year after year um, supported. And that's when we were able to really begin to you know afford to come to the games, just traveling from Maine, and uh, to really be able to to be here and network with all of the um, you know all of the writers and and all of the media folks that cover the Celtics. So fast forward to 2008, and you're covering the team for which outlet were you covering the team for? It was kind of a combination, Celtics blog and Celtics Stuff Live. Mm. Um, Celtics Stuff Live was airing on Celtics blog. We had worked a little bit with Comcast Sportsnet, but other when we decided not to broadcast on our own blog because you know keeping up with writing and producing the show was a lot of work, we partnered with Jeff Clark at Celtics blog, and we began to pretty much 100% put all of our content on Celtics blog. And so we all worked together. And as a matter of fact, when we got the credentials, it was a joint effort of Eric Weiss, Jeff Clark, and myself to you know, be able to secure those. And they were all under the, the Celtics blog name. So what was your biggest memory from that title run covering that? The biggest memory was probably, I mean, it had to be the confetti dropping, you know, and, uh, and just seeing it because, you know, I had this whole thing about the number 17. It's my lucky number. I was born on the 17th. So, you know, when they won on June 17th, their 17th banner, you know, that day was just really, really special for me to watch them win. And, you know, the year before when I had covered the team, they went on that, you know, 20 plus game. It was it 28 games losing streak mm -hmm. with Paul Pierce out injured. And then I didn't think that they were necessarily going to honor the credentials once they had traded for Ray and traded for KG, but they did. Um, so I'd say the other thing that kind of sticks out was working with Bombo Entertainment when they put together the movie Return to the Rafters and followed me around the garden the whole time. That was pretty exciting. That was a lot of fun. And on the way home one time, um, the uh, producer from Bombo was driving and we got pulled over. He was doing about 85 because it was so late at night. The drive to my house took so long. And uh, so that was kind of fun. His name was Matt. And, uh, you know, I'd done the, the shot in Kennebunk. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but... Um, I recorded the post-game show in Kennebunk, the rest stop, and then uh, on the way home we got pulled over. He got a ticket, and it's pretty uh, great. he failed to expense it. And for anyone that remembers Return of the or doesn't remember that show, uh, th that movie, it was the kind of the official like story of the Celtics championship through the eyes of some of the biggest fans, and biggest supporters, and media types like yourself. And yeah, OJ's Mike, lawyer and Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, and, and uh, Mike Munger from CLNS Radio also was on it. There's a lot of CLNS He was probably, he was probably the most featured 
fan. He was like I mean, the he super was fan. the center. And yeah. if you go and watch any of the promos, it's he's just throwing jerseys like he had like forty jerseys in his room, and he's just going through all the jerseys as they're filming him. It's really entertaining. Yeah, I was cleaning my old uh, bedroom the other day, and I found my old crusty uh, Vin Baker jersey from Vin way, Baker from way back in the day. So that was a nice treasure to find. That's probably when I started blogging. Was right yeah. around the time that Danny came on board, and you know they had traded for Vin Baker, and and there was probably a two and a half year conversation about how they were going to dump his salary. Well, they figured out eventually. It seemed to work out. So before we go here, uh, you're starting up Celtic Stuff Live again. Mm-hmm. And it's been, how, how many years has it been since the show? Went since we there? really were committed to it, probably four years. Uh-huh. Um, we did a couple of shows. Um, I had moved to Pennsylvania. And so we did a couple of shows for a little while there. But then, you know, probably like every week, every week like we are now, uh, it's probably been four solid years. So the show is relaunching now on CLNS Radio. What, what are we going to expect? Just the same guests, you know, and I can tell you, you know, we have kind of, uh, we've gotten a really nice reception. So our first show was Mike Gorman. And there's always this witty banter with our guests, including Sean Grandy, who we knew was going to give us a hard time for going to Gorman first. So, you know, there's a lot of fun banter on the show. And then um, I love, you know, I think you know this. But whenever you do a show, a lot of it's about your chemistry with your co-host. And so getting an opportunity to work with John Duke again and for him to make the commitment as, as well to be doing this on a weekly basis is really what's going to keep our brand alive and, and, and make it entertaining for the people that listen. It's too bad we have no chemistry. I guess we'll have to end the show then. So We'll just have to do more of them and establish chemistry. That chemistry and, and then this, we can do this. We can do the video thing. And, and John and I can do face for radio you know, on Celtic stuff. No, no, your, your face looked pretty solid in front yeah. of these bright lights here. So we're going to end it here. I want to thank our guests who we've been wanting to have on the show for a long time. Justin really a Poole. pleasure to be here. So it's great to have you here. I want to thank Jeremy Carp behind the camera. We will see you after Saturday's game and uh, tune in because we'll have that one for you actually on Saturday. It's nice when it's an early matinee game. Uh, so that'll do it for us here on the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics blog powered by Grandstand. Peace out.
change the game plan or is it just a matter of executing the game plan that you had against him at a higher level? You know, I think that you just go into a game and you have a way or two that you think you might play. If you need to go to three or four, you're probably in trouble. Um, I mean, you're exposed pretty bad. So, you know, you go into this one feeling the same way and go with, you know, a, a thought or two on how you best like to defend him, on how you can best be prepared to defend him. You get beyond that probably cooking and that's what happened last night. Coach, did it make it more difficult the what you know, the 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 um, you know, so you can adjust to those types of things. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like you're going to start, but you can adjust pretty quickly to those types of things. I thought it was more that, again, he just had his way with really whoever guarded him for three quarters of the game. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're changing a ton of how we're trying to play or anything like that. I, and obviously, it takes away a huge three-point threat for us. That's first and foremost um, because people have to guard him. And he's a knowledgeable defender and, and a guy that is productive on that end of the floor. And he's a productive, you know, offensive player. Um, you know, that you're just taking out of the equation. So you just have to figure out a way to to uh, make up for all that. You're not going to match your point guard up with him, so it's not like it's um, just because he brings the ball up the floor. It doesn't change a ton. I, mean, I think he's a really talented young man. I think he can make plays, he can make passes, drive on you and finish. He's great in transition. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of a jack of all trades um, with a you know with a huge wingspan that has a chance to be a good player. But um, you know whether he plays the one or the three for them in their offense doesn't. Scenario you've got going. What the, does his role change at all? I mean, he's coming off. He's still being productive off the bench, but does he have to adjust a little bit as far as his role with Giannis handling the ball? No, I don't think. Uh, you know, with the first group, Giannis handling the ball, and I think for Michael and uh, Giannis, I think uh, you have two playmakers out on the floor. But we tend to go with Michael being the one um, when they're together. To, when they're together. So um, for Michael, the adjustment—I don't know if it really changes. He comes off as aggressive, sets the table for his teammates defensively, and then um, offensively, he's got to look to score the ball for us, uh, give us some scoring off the bench. Now, then when he's in there with Giannis, that gives Giannis a, a different look. Yeah, you know these—we uh, we don't just have you know 
or one or two, we have basketball players, so Giannis can play one through five. You know, Michael can play the one and two, and uh, they're both unselfish, so uh, we, feel, we feel very comfortable either one being on the ball. When they're on the floor together, you like that? It's a combination, too. Uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, when you look at Michael coming off the bench, he's played just as much, you know, as many minutes uh, as, as, as a starter. Uh, him and Moose, so it um, doesn't matter if you start or come off the bench, you can play a lot of minutes and touch the ball. So for Michael, it's just, you know, being able to understand what the team needs at that time when he's on the floor. Is that hard for a young player, you know, a high-profile player, for him to adjust to a different role? Uh, it's hard for any young young player, um, you know, who's learning the game, you know, they, you know, starting up and then being asked to come off the bench. Um, young or old, you have to find your rhythm, your routine changes, and so uh, different guys, you're playing with different guys until the six minute mark in the fourth quarter, it's like the starting group is, you know, out on the floor, so um, it is, it, it can be hard, uh, but also I think it, it can only make it better. What does he need to do or improve upon to get where you think he needs to be? Uh, for Mike, I think, uh, again, uh, you know, we all have to work on our jump shot. You know, that's... Uh, but you don't anymore. Uh, no, well, you still can. You can still always improve your jump shot, uh, especially if you're going to bet. Um, but I think you look at um, just being the uh, floor general, understanding time and score, understanding who's going, um, you know, understanding basketball IQ can always grow and uh, it can always get better. So for, for Michael, I think, uh, you know, not just him, but... Our, our young team can all, you know, benefit from that. You win seven out of eight. What's been the common ingredient? I mean, what, how's, it, how's it changed? Uh, time. Uh, what a young group. It takes time. As much as we want to, you know, pop this thing in the microwave to speed up the process, just can't happen in sports. You know, and so for this young group, they, you know, they're starting to play. Um, and look at the, you know, our injuries. We never complain about them, but you know we're missing quite a few guys that would be coming off the bench for us. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get healthy and uh, make a run at this. Did the length of time it's taken surprise you at all? You said it takes time for guys to come together. How long it's sort of taken to? No, I, I think if you look back at the history of the game, it's, it could be uh, you know ahead of schedule. There's always teams that have been put together uh, that are young that have failed. Most have all failed because we all come in last place if we don't win the you know the gold trophy. So uh, there's never been a young team that's won a championship. So you know I think the process for what we're doing is uh, right. You know I think we're ahead of schedule. Um, you look at the two young kids. Um, one is just coming off a triple double. Uh, we've asked to change his role into being a playmaker, and he's he's done it in stride. Uh, and then Jabari, I think, after the All-Star game in Toronto, playing with those guys, let everybody know that he can still, you know, be the guy, uh, a franchise player in this league. And uh, you know, you can see his confidence is at an all-time high too. Were the external expectations then maybe a little too high? Because I think a lot of people saw Greg Monroe, he needed a center, he got one, yeah. top 14. Yeah, I think. Uh, Everybody has their um, opinion until you, you play on the floor. And, uh, you know, were those expectations uh, right or wrong? I think it's a great lesson uh, learned for our young kids. 
to be in that situation because they're going to be in it again. Um, they're probably a little bit older, and how do they handle it? Um, you know, understanding we, we kind of got away from what we were doing last year, and I was playing defense, and that's when you look at us playing right now, we're playing on that side of the ball first. Coach, what about Bayless Henson? I know I always ask, but is there, <laughs> is it, you say you would want to get healthy, that'll change the rotation to any, any closer? On those no, guys those, guys are, those guys are out. Um, we'll see uh, when we get back. Or, um, yeah, they're most likely three to weeks. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully we can get one of those guys back for a practice. Henson in particular, uh, I mean, I guess you didn't think you were going to lose him like a dozen games. Uh, we never think we're going to lose anybody yeah. for uh, a dozen games, right. maybe one or two. Uh, but he's been uh, missed uh, in a big way, you know, uh, defensively and offensively. And uh, hopefully we can get him back soon. Plumley, I mean, he's been invaluable, right, coming in there and really stepping in and giving you something instead of not having that that other center option he's given you. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, this is the beauty of basketball. Uh, when you talk about a team, uh, you know, he was had to sit behind $90 million, you know, and he he was patient. He didn't complain um, uh, to you guys, but he might complain internally. Um, but he, he waited his turn, and uh, he's taking full advantage of it, and we're all are happy that he's playing at the level that he's playing. Well, what I noticed about him, like you say, he sat behind all those dollars, but I remember, you remember the good game he had in Oakland. And I remember yes. I said to him, hey, it was a great game. He says, well, I can play like that. I mean, he, he's confident, and that's he, what you want. Right? Yeah, I think he's a, a true example for, you know, being patient, uh, waiting your turn. You know, it's hard to, you know, when you have all that money that's sitting in front of and, and talent, too. And so he was patient enough, and uh, he's taking full advantage of some of the injuries. But the contracts do play a role. I mean, that's the reality, isn't it? I can't play three centers. I mean, I would, I, I, three point guards, yes, but not three centers. Jason, you've been around guys that are, are coaching lifers, Lawrence, Rick, even Woody in New York. Now that you've done this job for a few years now, do you consider yourself cut out of that cloth? Do you think something different? Uh, coach, I'm still a young coach. I'm not a lifer yet. I mean, you, you know, I think uh, I'm still learning. Yeah, this is a uh, very hard job. Um, it's not easy. Uh, even if you win, you're not guaranteed anything. And if you lose, you're not guaranteed to, uh, to be around. So uh, the best thing you can do is, uh, you know, do what you believe in. It's right for the team. And, uh, and hopefully uh, at the end of the day, you, you have uh, helped, you know, one or two guys, you know, reach that uh, bar that they've set. And, uh, and that's all, you know, right now, being a young coach, I'm trying to learn how to coach, you know. I didn't come through the coaching ranks. I've, I've been around a lot of great coaches, um, talking to those guys, um, and just understanding, you know, you know, talking to Stotts in Portland, having a young team, you know, had expectations. Um, as a player, yes, I was on a young team. Uh, didn't, you know, we failed in Dallas um, um, with three J's, but like, as a player, you're thinking totally different than a coach. So uh, that's something that you know you have to uh, to learn. It just doesn't happen overnight. What did Terry tell you? To have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Terry and Rick, well, they've both been good influences on you. Right? Yeah, Rick has been great. Uh, he's the professor. I mean, he's the dean, and so uh, he's you know he's always there uh, if I have a question. But you know, talking to Terry, you know, he has a young team, 
and uh, he is probably, you know, he's done a heck of a job with those guys there. And so I haven't been with him in Portland and just his, his demeanor. I understand when he said have fun, he means have fun. <laughs> What's Joe Johnson going to bring to a contender doing your relationship with him? Uh, Joe's a true competitor. I wish him the best, um, you know, wherever he ends up. Um, he, he's not afraid of having the ball late, um, so they get a closer. And so uh, wherever he ends up, they got a chance to win. Lift Isaiah got, gave you in the fourth quarter, and also his ability to penetrate and find teammates with behind-the-back passes. Yeah, that one, the one pass was unbelievable. But the, uh, you know, I thought it was the best that um, he's played or one of the best games he's played against that kind of length in that moment. And they were blitzing and they were trying to keep a bunch of long bodies on him. And they switched some and he just made the right play, whether it was a pull up, whether it was a drive, whether it was the right pass at the right time. I just thought he did a really good job um, of that. So that was, you know. He was he was huge in that five minute stretch and that the one possession where we uh, moved it moved it it hit it hit Jay in the corner and he reversed it to Avery at the three point line was probably the possession of the game for us you know it gives you a, an eight point lead instead of a five point lead but it also you know just the way that that possession unfolded was really good in that moment. Uh, Amir's been kind of scuffling a bit recently. It seemed like he, he gave you a good lift tonight. What do you think about his energy, especially early on? Yeah, I thought he was really ready. I thought he was really ready and really engaged. Um, and I think a great, you know, great way to um, gauge that is the offensive rebound tip dunks. You know, just the energy around the rim was excellent. Um, and we need him. You know, we need him. It was a weird game from the standpoint that, you know. Um, they play quote small, but they're not small. Um, you know, they're they're big, long, athletic guys, and so it's hard to play two traditional bigs against them normally. But I thought our guys did a pretty good job with that lineup. And then they started playing Novak as you know, kind of a three-four, or sometimes they would play, you know, Middleton at the three and and go a little bit smaller than their starters, and so it kind of forced our hand to not play that Selinger or Mirror lineup quite as much. But I liked it when it was in, and I thought that. Um, Amir was very good. Uh, Jade's early. I mean, he got into foul trouble in strange line, 20 points, 24 minutes, five fouls. But early, what did he bring? And what is, I mean, it just seems like he's kind of your, your glue guy, I mean, throughout the team. Well, um, he has the ability to guard some of those bigger, longer guys because of his strength. Um, and, you know, he's been scoring it well, shooting the ball well. and. And he drove it on the first or the second play and got an and one. And, um, you know, he hit a huge three in the corner there off Isaiah's over the head pass. So, I mean, I think he's he's been you know, one of our more reliable, consistent players all year. And, you know, we needed him to be that against these guys tonight. It's hard to play that team without him for that long stretch like we did in the third and fourth quarter just because of who they have. Going back to Crowder, what, what's, what's kind of the thought process uh, in terms of when you bring him back in the fourth, fourth quarter? You started with five fouls. You know what? This uh, this might sound crazy, but like, you know, if I was nine years ago when I first got into coaching, I would have taken him out with four and been nervous to put him back in. And I just, 
And if it happens, it happens. They foul, they foul. We'll figure it out. And, and you know, a lot of times, and, and really it hasn't hurt us until today um, when Crowder got his fifth and had to be out so long. Um, but prior to that, you know, we're just going to let guys play and if they foul, they foul. But um, he, uh, you know, about 5.30, it wasn't going our way. It was a five-point game and it was time to bring him back. Coach, did um, there was a lot of fouls called? Did that um, just subtract from the rhythm that you might want to? Well, I thought establish? I don't know what our you know I don't know what the what the rate will be considered once the possessions are figured out today. I thought we were a little bit better, not fouling than we've been. Um, in fact, you know they, I know that the Utah and Minnesota attempted forty free throws plus today. They attempt twenty five, so it's not like. Uh, I thought we were pretty good in that regard. I thought we defended at a much better level. Um, yeah, I didn't think there was a, a huge um, hit and rhythm. I thought the hit and rhythm was more from having to sit out with foul trouble than necessarily the stoppage of plays or the free throw attempts. Uh, especially in the first quarter, you guys really transitioned well from defense to offense. Obviously, do, try to do that all the time. But is that especially important against their length? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get a good shot, as you could see late in the game. I mean, we hit some really tough ones. I mean, the, again, I thought Isaiah was incredible at the end of the game with his shot making and his decision making. Um, but I just thought, yeah, it's just tough. So, you, yes, you want to run as much as you can. You want to score off broken plays as much as you can because when they get their defense set, they're, they're hard to play against. Like we talked about yesterday, I mean, there's not many teams that can cover as much ground as that team can cover. Brad, your thoughts on the way you guys took care of the ball? I mean, the, the turnovers in the second half, is that what really allowed them back in the game? Yeah, I'm not I'm, – I'm, I'm actually knock on wood. I mean, you go through these, like, different periods of the season where your defense needs some focus, your turnovers need focus, your fouls, whatever. We've been handling the ball really well um, for the most part in the last month. It's probably been one of our better things. We've really risen in that ranking overall. Um, so I don't – I'm not going to lose too much sleep over a four-minute span where we where we fumble it around a little bit. I didn't think it was like horrible decision making. I just thought we fumbled the ball around a little bit. Sometimes that happens. Behind the head pass to Jay for the three-pointer. Um, it's just I, I seen him before I threw it, but like when I threw it, I couldn't see him no more. So I, I just I'm glad he stayed in that corner and made me look good. So. It was just something um, I made an adjustment. Like I said, before I picked the ball up, I seen he was in the corner. So I knew that was going to be my my bailout pass. And then it, luckily, he stayed in the corner and he got there. Okay, talk about the fact that you were able to have success against a team, one of the longest teams in the league. And I know in the past, those type of teams have really given you fits, but yeah. you were able to really get into a nice flow tonight. Just trying to. Trying to be unpredictable out there, man. That teams are trying to really slow me down and, and put different guys on me and keep keep me seeing two guys at once when I come out pick and roll. So I'm just trying to give them something different each and every time down. And, and my teammates are doing a hell of a job of, of separating and getting in my vision. I'm just trying to make plays to, to get them going. And then once they get going, it kind of opens it up for me late in the game like it did tonight. When you talk about getting it going, Mirror has been giving you defense, yeah. rebound, but he gave you some buckets tonight. He did. That's the mirror we need. A guy that just brings energy, stays on the boards. Um, 
and, and make shots around the rim like he did tonight. He had a hell of a game, and he, he started us off well, him and Jay Crowder. Isaiah, um, Brian McDonough went on the radio and said that he made a mistake trading you. <laughs> I guess you heard that. Yeah, I did. Sort of satisfaction in hearing those words? I mean, it's cool. I'm, I'm starting to get more and more respect, I guess. I mean, it, it feels good to to hear him finally say that. But, I mean, like I always say, I'm, I'm focused here on the, the Celtics. I'm not focused on what happened in the past. But when I seen that this morning, it was it was, it was nice to see somebody say something did, like that. Did you feel overlooked? I did. I mean, I always do. I've always felt overlooked. But ever since, like, like all-star selection, guys are kind of – Liking what I do, I guess. How much of a different player are you, Isaiah, than you were, you know, just two years ago? Um, the game's slowing down for me. I'm, for the most part, I'm just. I think I'm a better decision maker. I'm not just trying to score every time. Um, that's something I've done my whole life, where scoring has been easy for me. But now it's just trying to pick and choose my spots, knowing when to be aggressive for myself and and when to get other guys going. So I think that's. My next step is becoming a more complete basketball player. And, and like I told him earlier, just being unpredictable, going out there and trying to make the right play each and every time. Do you think your point guard skills are overlooked almost by most people? Yeah. I mean, I think just because I'm, I'm labeled as a scorer. So, I mean, if, if you score too much, guys say you don't pass enough. If you pass too much, like Rondo, they say you can't score. I mean, they're always going to say something. So you just got to take what the defense gives you. Could Rondo make that pass tonight? Oh, no doubt. He, he, <laughs> I mean, y'all probably seen that before. He probably did something even even crazier than that. Isaiah, what kind of bond have you built with Jay? Um, a pretty good bond. I mean, we played together a lot last year in that second unit, and then now this year in the, the starting group with, where I just know where he's at at all times. He's kind of my my bailout guy. I mean, I know when, I, when I'm attacking, he finds the open area, and we, we connect. I mean, he's he's gotten so much better since – first day I've gotten here to now and he's a hard worker so I think we just sometimes it just happens to be like that where you click with a guy even though we don't even work on the things that we click on together it's just it happens. How much has that changed for you guys that he has improved so much? It helps I mean he's not just a defender he's a guy he hits he hits shots he makes shots he he defends he does a lot for us and, and he's he's real important to this to this organization. Did you guys come out strong Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was the emphasis of just coming out, being aggressive on both ends of the court. And I think we just got to do that more often. We got to be the guy, the team that hits the other team in the face first and and sets the tone. I think we did that, and it it helped us out today. The the phrase chip on your shoulder has been used with you for a couple years now, but now you're an all-star, and after what McDonough said, do you still have that chip there? Yeah. My next goal, I want to be all-NBA. So I always try to find find things to 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 motivate me, and and I'm, I'm a goal orientated guy that, that just tries to reach all the goals, that, not just individually but as a team as well. And, and that's my next step. I want to be an All NBA player. What are some parts of your game that you feel like you do need to improve to be able to get to that All NBA? Um, I need level? to get a right hand. I, mean, I, I don't have one. I've never had one. So <laughs> pretty good with just the left. Yeah, I made a right hand layup today though. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, um, guys were joking around about it, so I just continue to get better, mm-hmm. continue to be a be a better point guard, be a better leader, and 
and take bits and pieces from other people's games and put them in mine. What do you think of that pass, Isaiah Hitchin, for that? Yeah, we, uh, I was telling him, uh, I see we locked eyes right before the defender came over. And I didn't know if he was going to find a way to get it to me, but he had saw me for sure before the defender came over. It was a hell of a pass on, by, um, by him. Yeah. Okay. Great, great start by you to the game. The foul trouble put you on the bench. Just talk about that time you were on the bench and still able to come back and make, make big points. Well, I was just staying, trying to stay locked in. And, be vocal on the bench, talk to the guys, because defense is right in front of the bench. So I just try to stay engaged, and I knew come fourth quarter, at some point, I was going to go back in the game and just try to be ready. What was it about you, though, to start the game? I mean, you were really locked in both ends of the floor, making baskets, getting plays defensively. Yeah, I just really wanted this game. I mean, to start this home stretch on the right foot and um, take care of this night, and I just didn't want to leave any any thought or any doubt in our team and start start the first quarter real good. No, I don't, I don't look at it like that. We got to stop fouling. I got to stop fouling. We got to play with our, our feet, not our hands. And I tend to gamble because I love to get skills. But um, I just got to pick 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 um, better spots on the court to, to play aggressive and better times in the game to play aggressive and manage that well. We all do. I know neither one of you two have been here not that long, but how much have you and Isaiah kind of collectively enjoyed putting some of these games on your shoulders? We, I mean, uh, the flow of the game, and we just, we're two winners, I can say that. And I think when you have two winners on the court, two guys who want to win so bad, they'll do whatever it takes, whether it be down on the court or fourth loose balls or make that big shot or make that pass. I feel like we, we just want to win the game, and we're, we're, we're a short dial our winners. And, um, we try to let our game speak for us. How much pride do you guys have taken in playing at home starting this five-game home stretch? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of pride going to it. Coach talked about it before the end. This is a pride game, and we really have to come out and uh, get this first win and, and, and take it one game at a time. It's a lot of games at home, but we're going to take it one game at a time and try to get some momentum. How much pride do you take in being kind of the glue guy in this team? Uh, I take a lot of it. Uh, like you said, I, I've said before, I, I just want to make that winning play. Whether it be that rebound, that steal, that shot, I want to do whatever it takes to win and whatever it takes to hold this team together and, and give ourselves a chance to, at the end of each game to win. And um, I take pride in it. I watch film on it. And I, try, I try to do my part as best, as best possible. When Pearson Garnett left, it was kind of a speculation like, what, who would be the Celtic that would walk in and want everyone hated? And That's you and Marcus are kind of competing for that uh, <laughs> on the road, the, the guy that, that kind of relished that. I think Marcus edged me a little bit. I like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys don't like Marcus, but uh, I know. I mean, those are big shoes to fill. We, we're aware of that, and those guys did a heck of a job when they were here. And when they were Celtic, they, they took uh, pride in wearing the, the, the green jersey. And so we just try to keep it going. Uh, guys did it before them, and they, they were aware of it, and they tried to keep it going. So we're trying to do the same thing and um, just, just bring a toughness and a, a togetherness about ourselves and um, hopefully it helps us out as much as possible. How hard was it playing through foul? I don't know whether someone asked you, but how hard was it tonight playing through foul trouble? And it was a tough night. Yes, yeah, it's always tough. And I was pretty down on myself when it got got frustrated when I got the technical foul. I was just frustrated at that point. And um, I was aware I was in foul trouble at halftime, and I just wanted to come out. And they were aware of it too. And Giannis uh, did a great job of trying to attack me. And um, I just got to be better. Be my chances uh, during the game to be aggressive. Your coach talked about uh, you know how you seemed really locked in from the beginning. Obviously, you played all 12 minutes of that first quarter. How much more 
um, you know, in the moment did you feel today than maybe a couple of recent games? Uh, uh, effort was definitely there. Um, we talked about just starting off games uh, better, more aggressive, and uh, definitely, definitely showed, you know, during that first half. Uh, guys were up on their man, uh, scrambling, making them, you know, make tough passes and tough shots, you know. It was just an all-around good team effort. Talk about that foul shot. Which one? Which? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because we were uh, we were clowning uh, Copo about his air ball, and uh, I come in and shoot air ball, so it was a pretty pretty funny moment right there. So it's all good. It happens. Do you think free throw shooting for you is more of like a flow thing? I was looking at your your stats in the past. You shot over seventy percent in years yeah. when you've attempted more free throws. I, know, I make them in practice. I don't know uh, what it is. I'm, I'm trying to you know change my rhythm at the line. Mm -hmm. So I can get a more more flow to it, and I change it up this year. You know, I probably have to go back to my old, you know, two dribble, spin, shoot. So just gotta change up my rhythm. Do you think routine is something that is kind of like overlooked for a lot of players who may struggle at the line, it like is, sticking to a routine? It is. It, it, it definitely helps. You know, you definitely have to have your, your routine when you step to the line. Sometimes guys mm -hmm. overthink it. You know what I mean? You just gotta keep on sticking to that that one routine at the line. Have you ever talked to like a sports psychologist about you know mental approach at the line? No. Would you? <laughs> it's nine in a row at home. You guys kind of started off struggling at home. What do you think has been the difference? Uh, we have a, a long stretch at home here, and, and uh, just our mindset is uh, just protect our home court. Uh, we have a few days of practice here. Um, like I said, we just got to protect our home court uh, three weeks here and uh, just be all on the same page because, uh, you know, the, we got a few more games left, and it's, it's cutting short in the East. So, you know, our main focus is protect the court. Mayor, how would you characterize the defensive intensity throughout the game, the consistency level of the defense? Uh, we, we definitely have to get back to that. Uh, you know, uh, this team has been inconsistent right now. Uh, basically, we have to go back to our basics, which uh, which is defense, and, and that's been winning uh, those games. Um, so in, in practice, we just go through our our, our normal coverages and, and basically back to the basics, closeouts, slides. And, uh, we just had to focus on our on defense mainly. Uh, I think that is key to our success. What did you think of it tonight? It was solid. You know, everybody was talking. Everybody was moving. Even if we were out of position, you know, guys were coming over, scrambling, helping. You know, we made a couple of mistakes. It could be a lot better, sure. But uh, it was just a lot more, more vocal and a lot more moving on the floor. What did you make of some of those crazy passes that Isaiah had tonight? Unbelievable, man. I think it was one of the, the top five passes I've seen. You know, behind the. The back, when, uh, Jay Crowder one pass. It was definitely pretty cool to see. In the first, in the first quarter on the pick and roll, you guys were running a lot of plays. You would get the ball as a roll out, then you would immediately swing out to the other side. Was that part of the game plan? We definitely, uh, we definitely worked on that because uh, the Milwaukee's a team that, that likes overhelp, you know. And, uh, our goal was to definitely get dive out the pick and roll fast, and if they come over rotations, we just swing to the corner. So it, it definitely worked for us. And when, when you came back, back out for your second rotation, you would more high reach side. When the guard would crash, you would sneak in there for the layup. Was that the adjustment you guys made? Exactly. Like, like I said, they, they overhelp. And uh, as long as I stayed behind the defense, uh, trying to get behind the defenders, and behind those long arms those, those, uh, those players had, you know, I was able to get over Does the game with Miami have any extra added in the floor? Uh, we'll, we'll go through it in practice. Uh, look at film, you know, see what game plans that that got us game plans, man. So you know, we just got to go over film and see what we can do to beat that team. You remember the last time we had double figure score before tonight? The the last time? Yeah, before tonight. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. 
I really don't keep up, you know, with my stats. You know, I kind of keep up with wins more than anything. January 15th. 18 games. That's something you guys know. I have no idea. You know, just, just trying to count these wins. You know, I, I check our standings almost every day. So I'm you know, seeing where we're at and winnings. And when that playoff time comes, we're ready. How would you characterize the defense tonight? A lot better? Um, I mean, you pretty much said it. You answered your own question a lot better. Uh, <clears throat> your words. Oh, my word. Well, I thought we played well. Um, we moved the ball well in the offense and, and, and defensively there was five guys connected. Uh, you know, later in the game, they kind of just, I don't know what kind of offense it was in. It was just kind of running. It was kind of wild. And uh, But we, we held our ground and we, we, we got the stuff that we needed. You mentioned their wild offense. This game felt like it lacked flow at certain points. Yeah, that's, the, that's the thing. It was like it was one at one moment it lacked flow, and the next moment it was just like down and back, down and back, down and back. And it, was just, it was a fast game tonight, I mean, especially in the last what, five minutes of the game. Do you think that was partially due to the officiating? Because at one point they were calling tic tac fouls. You're not about to get me fine. <laughs> Think of uh, Isaiah's kind of line the back pass to Crowder and the corner there. That was impressive. I mean, come on, you got He's 5'2, and for him to throw it over, you know, I think it was Giannis, Greg Monroe, and Jabari Parker. Um, you know, all guys that got 20 plus inches on him. That's impressive. How did you feel like you handled the post matchup against Monroe this time? Uh, I just don't, I don't think it was just me. Um, you know, Amir, Tyler, uh, you know, even sometimes we, we had to switch sometimes. And um, I just thought the team defense was better. You know, it's, it, when you play against a, you know, a, a league score, you, it's not just going to be you that's going to stop them. It's going to be a team effort. And I thought our team did a great job of making um, some of his catches hard. How much focus do you guys put on outlet passes in practice? Outlet passes? Yeah. Not much. Why? Today you were not just you, but all. A lot of your teammates were pretty good at it. You know, I'm pretty proud of them. They, they learned from Papa, so pretty proud of them. Papa's you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course.